Hello, and welcome to the American Patchwork and Quilting Podcast. I'm Lindsay Mayland, and I'm so excited to be here with you. Hope everyone's Januaries are going well. Uh, in Iowa, we've gotten a significant amount of snow. Um, and, and In fact, I've been trying to record uh, this podcast all day, and people are just running snowblowers, so I keep having to stop and redo it so you don't have like this roar in the background. <laughs> um, but I've really enjoyed being hunkered down inside these last few weeks with lots of time to sew or even cozy up under a quilt to read. And because of the icky weather, this is generally the time of year I have the most time to organize my sewing space and make a lot of progress on my UFOs and even start some fun new projects. And if this sounds familiar to you, today's show will really hit home. We're talking about storage hacks under $15, which is great if you're in the mood to clean and organize your sewing space. If you're looking to finish projects faster, we have some cutting tips to share that will really speed up parts of the sewing process. And we're even announcing a fun new sew along in case you're just itching to start a new project and sew with others. So let's dive in. Sometimes the easiest way to make a sewing space more organized is by investing in storage products that fit the space and fit your supplies. But that doesn't mean you have to spend a lot of money or time going from store to store. Sometimes the perfect storage items are found at your local home store or even something you already own. I'm here with Doris, the editor of Quilt Sampler magazine, to talk about some simple storage solutions. That's right, Lindsay. Some of the simplest solutions work the best. We're going to look at 15 ways to transform common household items from every room in your house into creative organizational solutions. These items all cost $15 or less at your local home decor store, but we bet you can find many of these in your home already. Let's start with items you can find in your kitchen. Yes, the first storage item you can find in your kitchen is a utensil caddy like something you might use to hold plastic forks and spoons at a family picnic or a holiday party. You can use these to corral your most used supplies in many areas of your sewing room, but a fun use for it is to place the utensil caddy on the iron rest of your ironing board. It can hold spray starches, your water refiller for your iron, stilettos, hem gauges, or any other common tools you use when ironing. Many times it's kind of hard to find storage for your standing iron, so adding a little caddy might be a great solution. I really like that idea. Another item that most people probably have too many of in their kitchen are chip clips. If you have any extra chip clips, you can use them to keep cut fabric pieces together for your projects. This is especially handy if you have to cut a lot of different size units or need to keep track of pieces for many blocks. You can even use a marker to label each clip with the designated unit size block or even row that it for its set of pieces. If you love handwork, we have a few options to help you store tools for handwork as well as transport your projects on the go. A sturdy lunchbox with a resealable lid, maybe something like a bento box or even a nylon or vinyl one that can stand up on its own 
is really perfect for holding your handwork and easily transporting it. You could also try a lunch tray or even a plastic divided plate to separate your small supplies like embroidery floss, needles, snips, or even buttons and beads so that you can carry supplies to another room. Another item from the kitchen is an ice cube tray. The compartments of an ice cube tray can be used to confine sewing machine needles, bobbins, your machine feet, so they don't get lost in a drawer. You can even go an extra step and add labels to each compartment, such as the needle size for the machine foot or the machine foot letter or number, so you can easily grab what you need and, most importantly, put it back where it belongs. Now, let's move on to the bathroom. The bathroom is full of unexpected storage items. Let's talk about shower curtain rods first. You can hang rulers, templates, and even patterns from shower curtain hooks suspended from a tension rod. I think this is great storage for a closet or even between legs on your cutting table. And many tools, of course, have that hole in the top so that you can hang them easily. If you have little ones running around, you probably have some small ponytail holders laying around the house. We're not talking about the larger ones you can put on your wrist, rather the little ones you buy for babies that look like caterpillars to me. You can wrap these small ponytail holders around your bobbins as a way to contain those loose thread ends so everything stays neat in your storage. Next, let's talk about a shower caddy. Now, this is probably an obvious one because, of course, its purpose is meant for storing and holding supplies in an awkward space. But you can hang the shower caddy on the back of a door to kind of make storage space from that unused space in your room. And it can hold things like spray bottles, embroidery hoops, fusibles, and interfacings, um, kind of those awkward things that don't always fit in other places, but also even scissors, rotary cutters, or even small fabric bundles. The bathroom has a few more items that can easily corral items in your space. An acrylic cosmetics organizer can gather your most used supplies on your cutting table or your sewing table. Many times, cosmetic organizers are tiered, so you'll have compartments in the front for smaller items and then a taller tier in the back to hold skinny or tall items. And if you have a plastic soap case laying around, you can make your own basic sewing kit or mending kit that holds needles, threads, snips, buttons, and safety pins. That would be a great thing to pack while traveling. The last areas of your home you can shop <laughs> for items for your sewing room is your home office and your utility room. So if you love applique, there are a few different products to try out. The first is an expandable coupon organizer. This is great for holding individual applique pieces or even pattern templates. So you can add labels to each pocket with the block number or pattern piece name to keep things organized. You can also try a clipboard box. Now, clipboard boxes aren't that common anymore, but you may have one sitting unused in a drawer somewhere. If you can't picture one, what one is, it's usually an aluminum box that holds a stack of papers, and then the lid has the clip to hold the paper in place. And there's usually a place for writing utensils to be stored in the box too. Something like this is perfect for storing your works in progress, especially 
handwork like applique, English paper piecing, or hand piecing because you can store all your supplies inside the box and in the writing utensil compartment and then use that flat lid of the box as a small workstation for holding your fabric pieces while you sew. Another similar item that can have many uses are page protectors, such as used for photo albums or trading cards. These plastic sheets come in all different sizes, so you can hold a variety of things. Large pages can hold panel prints so they don't get lost with your other fabrics. Divided pages can hold fabric swatches for current projects, so you can take those samples to the store when shopping for additional fabric. Then, can also be used to hold small applique pieces or wool pieces for your projects. The best part is that most of these page protectors are meant to clip into a binder so you can keep everything contained and stored on a shelf or in a drawer. Just be careful not to store it upside down. That could lead to all your items falling out of the binder. One of my favorite items from the office aisle to use in my sewing room is called grip grass. Gripgrass is a unit made out of flexible silicone cylinders that allow you to stand small items upright so they're easy to grab when you need them. They come in a lot of fun colors and they can hold anything from marking utensils to rulers to scissors and more. I have a few of these in my space and I absolutely love them. Yeah, I feel like that a good place to find those is with um, sometimes with the baby supplies, like yeah. they're used for bottle cleaning, like to hang or to sit pieces on to dry. Yeah, good, good call. And our last item we want to talk about today are cable wraps. You can usually get a pack of these for pretty cheap, but they're so handy for securing prepared binding strips or even rolls of interfacing refusable. And of course, you can use them to wrap the cords on your iron and sewing machine so they're not in the way. Thanks, Doris. These are only 15 creative storage ideas, but we know there are so many more out there. Exactly. Maybe this will inspire you to look at unused items in your home in new ways or spot something you can use in your sewing room on your next shopping trip. Storage doesn't have to be fancy or expensive. It just has to work for you. We have some visuals for these items. So if you want to see examples of some of the things we talked about today, check out the link in our show notes. We're going to take a quick ad break, but when we come back, Doris is sharing what's on her workspace and we have a fun tip for trimming units quicker. Hello, I'm back with Doris for What's on Your Workspace, a segment where our staff gets to share the fun projects they're working on now. Doris, tell us about yours. On my sewing table right now is a tree skirt project that I started the day after Christmas, as well as flying geese and Ohio star blocks that I'm squaring up for a Christmas quilt. I realized I'm always motivated to sew for holidays as they approach, but often time gets away from me and the seasonal or holiday projects don't get done, and sometimes they don't even get started. This year I made a scrappy Christmas quilt for a gift, and I finished it up just in time to wrap it for Christmas morning. I enjoyed making it so much, and all of my holiday fabrics were still out, so I started cutting the pieces for another Christmas throw. I found a pattern in one of Carrie Nelson's uh, Miss... Rosie's Quilt Company books that I'm using, and it's totally scrappy. And the tree skirt is one that I'm making up as I go, adding some applique and embroidery stitches as new inspiration strikes. 
Living in Des Moines, Iowa in January, we typically have a lot of gloomy gray days and not a lot of sunshine. So these two holiday projects are giving me some cheer and filling that void that I always feel after the Christmas decorations come down and get packed away. So even though it's the beginning of the calendar year and we won't be decorating for Christmas for another 11 months, um, I'm having a lot of fun working on these two projects and I'm thinking this is a practice that I may have to continue in future years. Thanks, Doris. You can never start on holiday projects too early in the year, Kenya. <laughs> so a few months ago, Allison, our designer of Quilts and More magazine, shared this amazing tip on Instagram that she had for quickly trimming units, and I was blown away, and I asked her to share it on the podcast. Maybe many quilters know this trick already, but I didn't, and in the short time I've been using it in my sewing space, it's, I mean, it's changed my life. <laughs> Take it away, Allison. We've all been there. We feel so accomplished when we've sewn a ton of half-score triangles together, but then comes the dreaded part of cutting them all. Separating blocks, like half-score triangles, or trimming away waste, like flying geese, can take a lot of time, especially if you've chain pieced a whole stack of them. Instead of taking a rotary cutter to each block individually, consider cutting multiples at once. It saves so much time and energy. Before you start thinking about cutting several units at once, make sure you're comfortable with a rotary cutter. This may seem like a strange thing to say, but getting the hang of a rotary cutter can take a bit of practice, especially if you're a new quilter. It's safer and easier to cut multiple layers once you feel comfortable with the basics. When you're ready to stack up several blocks for trimming, make sure you have a sharp rotary blade. Since you'll be cutting through multiple layers of fabric, this will not only help you cut evenly, but it's also safer since you won't have to apply as much pressure and force. To walk you through the process of cutting, I'm going to use half square triangles as an example. So imagine you've used the method of drawing a line diagonally on your squares, then you've stitched on both sides of the line, yielding two half square triangle units. In order to separate the two units, you cut on the drawn line. If you separate each unit individually and your pattern calls for dozens or sometimes even hundreds of half square triangles, that's a lot of time and energy spent cutting. Instead, you can stack several of these units together, aligning the drawn lines and then cutting through multiple layers at once. So first, Take the half square triangle unit and line up the drawn line with a line on your cutting mat. Make sure that the lines on the sewn unit and the cutting mat are perfectly matched up from top to bottom. For half square triangles, your sewn piece will be on point. Then lay down another half square triangle unit on top of the first one you place down, making sure to stagger it slightly. You can offset them as much as you like, but keep in mind that the tighter you space and overlap your blocks, the more layers of fabric will build up, making it harder to cut through the stack. Each time you layer on a new block, check the previous one to make sure that it didn't shift in the process. All of the drawn lines should still line up with one another to make sure that you get even seam allowances once you trim. After you've layered the desired number of blocks together, you can cut them apart. 
I like to double and sometimes triple check that all of the blocks I've put down are aligned perfectly before I take the rotary cutter to them because there's no going back. Once you've confirmed that everything is aligned, place your ruler along the drawn lines of all the blocks and cut them apart using your rotary cutter. Once you're done cutting, you should have perfectly separated blocks with even seam allowances. This method can be used with all sorts of blocks, not just half square triangles. You can trim away the corners of flying geese, snowball blocks, or basically any sort of stitch and flip unit. This cutting method has been such a game changer for me. It allows me to get the tedious part of trimming done and over with so that I can move on to pressing and sewing more quickly. If you want to see this process in action, you can head over to my Instagram page at Allison Gam and find a video in the IGTV tab. Thanks, Allison. I just love that tip so much. I actually just used it for trimming hundreds of flying geese units and it made things go so much quicker. It's like a lifesaver. We're going to take a quick ad break, but when we come back, we're chatting about rulers and templates and share details about our next sew along. Welcome back. I'm now here with Joanna, the editor of Quilts and More magazine for Sewing Toolbox, a segment where we explore the basic tools you use daily in your sewing room. Joanna, what are we talking about today? Well, you know the saying, measure twice, cut once? Today, we are talking about measuring tools. I know I say this about most sewing tools, but there really are a ton of options on the market if you're looking for quilting rulers and other measuring tools. It can be kind of overwhelming. Because there are so many options, it can be hard to figure out which rulers have the most utility and which are more specialized. Here's a rundown of some common types of measuring tools to help you make informed decisions about which rulers you want in your personal collection. So the first type of measuring tool is the tape measure. This is the one you usually see draped around people's necks in movies. It's the best for garment sewing and three-dimensional objects. Its flexibility allows you to measure items that are not flat, which is one of the reasons why it's so good for garment sewing because you can use it to measure body parts. It's also good for measuring parts of bags since those are usually three-dimensional, um, stuffed toys, those sort of things. Uh, one thing to note though is it cannot be used with a rotary cutter for cutting fabric. <laughs> good point. So next we have the six and a half inch square and the four by 14 inch acrylic rulers. And these are two of the more common quilting rulers and they're really good utility sizes. So the square is good for smaller pieces and cutting squares while the rectangular ruler is better for cutting strips. And these rulers are most commonly used with a rotary cutter and your self-healing cutting mats. And when deciding on which acrylic ruler is best for you, look for one with eighth inch increment hash marks and printed lines for common angles such as 30, 45, and 60 degrees. And if you're shopping for these rulers in person, you might also want to see how slippery they are on the fabric since you want them to stay put. But also keep in mind, you can purchase grips for the bottoms if they move around a little more than you like. Good point. Those grips can be a lifesaver. Yeah. <laughs> so next, we're going to talk about just a couple of the specialty rulers. 
Foundation piecing rulers are popular for foundation or paper piecing because those particular rulers have a little lip that fits against the folded paper edge of the foundation pieced unit. This makes for more accurate cuts since it doesn't slip off the line on your printed pattern and it gives you an exact quarter inch or three eighths inch cut depending on which type of ruler you have. So it's just a way to make sure that you get that seam allowance you want. And the second specialty ruler we want to talk about today are triangle square rulers. And these are best for trimming triangle squares you might make oversized so they turn out the exact right size you need. Um, so if you like to make your triangle squares larger than necessary and then trim them for better accuracy, these are the tools for you. And most of these rulers work by just placing folded edge of the unit along the edge of the specialty ruler and then simply trimming. Awesome. And then the last measuring tool that we're going to talk about today is not really a ruler, but it can certainly help with your piecing accuracy. A seam gauge is used to check your seam allowance and the accuracy of your sewn quarter inch seams. Many seam gauges have adjustable sliders on them that you can use to measure larger or smaller seam allowances, which makes them really useful for hemming garments. And just in general, it makes it easier to get those um, specialty seam allowances that some projects call for. So Lindsay, do you have a favorite ruler or measuring tool? I sure do. My favorite ruler is a six by 24 inch acrylic ruler. Um, I work with fat quarters most often. So the size ruler kind of fits the entire length of that fabric so that I can cut all my pieces without having to like shift my ruler. What about you, Joanna? So my favorite is probably the six and a half inch square or at least that's the one I go back to and use the most. Uh, one other thing to keep in mind is try to use the same ruler for all your units in a particular project and pay attention to how you're lining your units up. So for example, if you tend to line up your fabric with the center of the line, or if you line up your fabric by touching the line exactly but not centering on it, it can actually make a difference. It seems like such a little thing, but those little differences between multiple rulers can really add up when you're making many blocks in a quilt. Great tip. Thanks, Joanna. Now it's time for Behind the Scenes from the Crafts Lab, a segment where we share fun things happening for our magazines. It's been kind of quiet the last few months because of the holidays, but we have so many fun things coming for all of our listeners to get involved in. Uh, so today we want to share about a sew-along we're hosting. For those who don't know, our magazine, Quilts and More, comes out four times a year, once in spring, summer, fall, and winter. So there are a lot of really amazing seasonal and holiday projects in each issue. So, for 2021, each issue will have a seasonal table runner designed by Allison Harris of Cluck Cluck Sew, who many of you probably know. So, we'll be hosting a fun sew-along for each of the table runners, and we think this is just a perfect way to make some decor that you can easily switch out for every season. The patterns are easy to piece, so they're great for quilters of every skill level. They don't require anything crazy like foundation piecing or templates if those type of things intimidate you. So just easy to work on, to add to your projects, and they're so cute. You're going to love them. 
So um, the Spring Table Runner features these gorgeous pieced flowers in really bright colors. And the Sew Along runs from February 5th through the 26th. So just three weeks. And there's no set sewing schedule because this pattern is fairly easy, like I said. And it might not take many quilters very long to whip up so that you can really sew at your own pace. But during those three weeks of the Sew Along, that's when all the fun is happening. So we'll have a Q&A with Joanna, our editor, to answer any questions. We're going to be sharing some fun tips and tricks. We're having a photo contest with a fun giveaway. And we're even planning a group sewing time in our Sew Along Facebook group so that we can all hang out together and sew and make progress on this table runner. The pattern for this spring table runner is in the spring 2021 issue of Quilts and More, which goes on sale later this week, so you can pick it up on newsstands if you see it, but you can also just buy the pattern to download and print on our website, so if you can't find the magazine, you can definitely still join in. If you're interested in joining us, we'll list all the details in the show notes. I've gotten a sneak peek at all four of the seasonal runners, and they're so cute. I can't wait to start sewing along with everyone, too. Before we leave today, I wanted to quickly highlight a review of our podcast. This review is from Want Disney Back, and they say, I'm so hooked on this podcast. I find it very interesting and informational. I'm listening to all the past episodes. I not only listen while quilting, but also when I'm doing housework and walking. Thank you so much for such valuable information. Thank you so much to Want Disney Back. We really appreciate your kind review and thank you for listening. If this review is yours, please reach out to us through an email at apqpodcast at meredith.com. This email is listed in our show notes so that we can send you a little gift. And remember, if you love this podcast, please leave us a review. We may feature yours on an upcoming show. Everyone have a great week.